Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. Uh, emotions. I, you know, we're in a time and uh, that uh, is, is uh, at some point been difficult for us. I don't know. Maybe for the most part you're doing well. I don't know. But I think it has played. I know I have, I have gone through battles and, um, um, uh, you know, my mind and emotionally that uh, have just been really difficult at different seasons through all of this whole thing. And, um, you know, and I know for guys, we, we tend to be not really that emotional. And I, I came across something, a letter. Um, it's, it's a parody, but uh, an article. And I just want to share that really quick, talking about emotions. Um, it's talking about a guy in Tennessee. Uncertain what to do about physical sensation he had in his chest that seemed to resemble an emotion, Trenton Locke of Nashville, Tennessee, took a stab at articulating the apparent feeling to great effect. I told the woman I was dating that I was a little nervous around her, maybe because it had been so long since I met someone I was attracted to and also enjoyed talking to. According to Trenton Locke, and much to a surprise, the woman, Candace Steep, really seemed to get where he was coming from. She told me that it was really no big deal, which I appreciated, said Locke. Now that Locke has learned to open up, he plans to continue to occasionally express his feelings when he's otherwise at an absolute loss at what to do. I won't do it willy-nilly, of course, but it's good to have it in my back pocket. Kind of a last resort when all else fails. On her part, Candace says that she doesn't mind dating an emotional man too terribly much as long as he doesn't go over the top with his feelings. Said no woman ever. Um, anyway, everything in moderation, I think, that's the most important aspect to remember when, when you don't want to get hurt. Uh, you know, that could probably go well to a marriage sermon too, but I think a lot of us are used to keeping our battles, what we're facing, what we're going through, our emotional exhaustion bottled up. We like to keep it under. We don't want to expose that nerve too often. But I believe that God has a remedy in His Word to get us through those difficult times that are taxing and draining on us. Um, there was an article a while back, and uh, I think it was uh, in the U.S. News, but I mean, over more than $42 billion a year are lost to, in workplace losses because of emotional issues. And, of course, I'm one that I believe in seeing counselors and, and doctors in that area. But I also believe that some of the things that we face and some of the things that we battle with is a spiritual warfare battle. That was a good place to say amen to both those things. But kind of before we get started in 1 Kings, I do want to lay a little bit of ground. Of I know many of us may be familiar with the story, but I kind of want to lay a, a foundation of what's going on as we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah, one of the God's prophets, he had been hiding for three and a half years of a drought, and the Lord told him to reveal himself to King Ahab. Elijah, so he asked the king to gather all the people at Mount Carmel, and this is happening in 1 Kings 17 and 18, for a contest to see whose God was real. There's been a lot of movies made on the Bible, mostly inaccurate, but, but there's been a lot of movies. I would love to see this one. 
This would be a really good one. So Elijah asked for all, the, all these false prophets, 850 priests of the false gods, Baal and Asherah. And so Elijah asked the prophets to Baal to build an altar to their gods, the god that, um, and he said that the god, and he would build an altar, and the god that made fire appear would be the real god. The prophets prayed and they chanted all day long, and uh, I, I almost showed a kind of a cartoon on this because it was really funny. But, you know, these, these prophets, they prayed all day long and um, to send fire down, of course, nothing happened. Finally, Elijah um, had his altar doused with water. They dug trenches and had water poured on it, and he prayed for the Lord to send fire, and immediately fire consumed the sacrifice, the wood and the stones, and then Elijah killed all the false prophets. That'd be a good movie, huh? And so that's kind of what's happened. And then there's a transition here that happens where Jezebel, Ahab's wife, the queen, she's like, Elijah, I'm going to kill him. I, before the day is out, matter of fact, she said, I'm going to take his life. Of course, to me, it's interesting that when the, when the enemy tries to give the word, that God's word, how much greater it really is. Because not only did Elijah not die, he was taken up in a chariot. Have you ever processed that before? That the enemy said, I'm going to take you even before the day's out. And God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to take him as he is. I think that's a a powerful exclamation point of of God and his his promises. And so, but, so we see here that Elijah, and so, but when Elijah heard this, I mean, that's what we're kind of going to pick up is that he ran. He ran when Jezebel said this. And I just kind of want to give a side note here that I believe that God can always bring that instant miracle. He can always bring that instant just breakthrough. And whether you're going through something physically or spiritually or emotionally or whatever it is, God can make a way. God can do it. But I also sometimes see patterns in God's word where maybe we don't see that immediate just kind of breakthrough because God is working something in us. Maybe he's correcting some unhealthy patterns in us. Maybe he's, he's bringing direction or correction to our life. And so sometimes that's why it seems delayed. And so some of this, I want to tell you, is going to be extremely practical. But I'm going to tell you also that it's biblical. And so we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 4. And the first thing that I see is that when you are emotionally, spiritually drained and exhausted, number one, you need sleep and food. You need sleep and nourishment. And I think sometimes we forget that. Look in 1 Kings 19, 4 through 8. But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die. I mean, that's how depressed and defeated. I mean, Elijah just saw fire fell from heaven to consume a sacrifice. He kills all these false prophets. And here is where he is now. That I might die, saying, Is it enough now, O Lord, to take my life? For I am no better than my father's. Verse 5. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. Everybody say slept. Amen. And he slept under a broom tree and behold an angel touched him and said arise and eat. And he looked and behold there was at his head a cake baked of hot, on hot stones a jar of water. And he ate and drank and he laid down again. And then the angel 
did it for him again. Elijah, he was exhausted. He had combated paganism and these false prophets for three years. And then it all came to this culmination on Mount Carmel against all these prophets. When we are, when we are exhausted, we will lose control over our emotions. I know that we like to think we're kind of got that still, you know, exterior and we can keep it all together. And, you know, I think sometimes we need somebody in our life. You know, it's like our kids. I mean, you can always tell when our kids are hangry or exhausted. And so you tell them, get something to eat and go to bed. And then they, you know, they give you a lip over that, you know. I mean, and we know the root of it is, is that they're just exhausted. They're stressed out. We need people in our life to say, hey, just go have a Snickers bar. That would be a good place to show that commercial, right? I mean, that's what we need sometimes. It's just that sleep and that nourishment. Listen to me. Some, even for the most healthy people, depression descends easily, especially when you're exhausted and you've spent yourself. But the Bible says in Psalm 30, 11, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. I'm going to tell you, God can do it, but sometimes you just need to take a nap. There was a, we had a caretaker at camp. It was a, he's passed on now. He was, it was a really, man, just a great man. And, and, uh, during, and he was older, and he was on a lot of medicine. And, I mean, his health really wasn't good. And so, you know, camp is, is taxing on anybody. If you've never served at a youth camp, let me tell you, it is exhausting, especially over an entire summer over multiple camps. And, and sometimes we would tell him, you know, he'd get really cranky. And his wife would say this, and so then we all, as leaders, started kind of telling him sometimes, he'd get a little, little snippy, and we're like, Dennis, go take your medicine and take a nap, buddy. Just, just go hide away for a little while. You need to do that sometimes. Listen, but also, worry can be relentless. When you are exhausted, even if it's not something you normally deal or struggle with, worry can set in very quickly. But the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but what do we do? We take everything in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, and we make our requests made known to God. We give it to God. So many times when you're in that state and you're drained and you get exhausted and you're weighed down, you're not going to solve it anyway. You need somebody bigger. You need somebody bigger. But I think here's the one I really wanted to focus on. When you're tired, when you're spent, when you're exhausted, is that temptations catch us by surprise. Temptations catch us by surprise. I'm going to tell you, especially, especially those in ministry, some of the greatest falls have happened because that one workaholic, I mean, that, I mean, one of the ways that happened is kind of a ceasing of prayer and, and, and having your devotion time of being in, in the Bible. But uh, another reason that happens is that you just have completely given, you've poured yourself out. And when you are empty in that way, I'm going to tell you the enemy is going to try to find a way. I'll never forget um, that uh, I, was, I had been gone from the house of uh, an extended period of time. And I was somewhere preaching, and I had done several revivals in a row, and 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 and, and school assemblies, and I had been gone, and I, I was at this church in New Mexico, and I'll never forget it. I, mean, I preached that night, and this happened a couple of times where I was like, okay, it's time I got to get home, and so I mean, here I'm in New Mexico, and it was after the last service on a Wednesday night, and I said, I'm I'm going home. <laughs> And I loaded up, and I started driving home, and I made it all the way to Amarillo, and I was just exhausted. I was falling asleep, 
And so I got a hotel. And I was in that hotel, and I was just flipping through the channels, you know, and, uh, you know, and I came across something that was not really fit to watch. And, and thankfully, just out of reaction, I kept going, but the temptation to go back was, was huge. And that's when I, and I, and when I was traveling, if I was gone an extended of time, I never went alone. I always had somebody with me, and they stayed in the hotel room with me, simply because I didn't fall to it, but it was a t- that temptation. I knew I was exhausted. Do you hear me? I'm going to tell you, when you are spent and you're exhausted, our radar isn't as up as it should be. And temptation can come in, and we can fall to that temptation very easily. But I'm going to tell you that uh, through accountability, through some rest, through drawing away into your prayer closet, you can win that battle. Number two is this, is Elijah received angelic help. Uh, Elijah received angelic, we see in verses 5 through 7, and they, he lay down, he slept, remember? But who brought him this food? Who brought him this water? It was the angel that said, arise and eat. And I don't, maybe you know the scripture, I know some of you do. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. And they are, are they not all ministering spirits set out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? I'm sure that many of us, if you've been saved any amount of time, you've got some kind of testimony about kind of that miracle person showed up. I, I know Angela, she has one she talks about when she ran out of gas in between, um, outside of El Paso, and also this guy appears with gas. And, you know, and, and those miracles do happen. But I want to tell you something else is that Someone else can be your angel, but you can also be someone else's. You see, you don't have to live life alone. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer this just for a second, and I'm going to say it this way. Connect groups, connect groups, connect groups. Connect groups. Connect groups. See, the power of connect groups, it gets you in a relationship with people in a way that you can't any other way. And it's a way, if you felt like at any point in time, if you're watching online, if you felt like that you've been ignored or fallen through the cracks, then take the, re- the initiative and get into a connect group. Do you hear me this morning? If we're not going to do life alone, it takes all of us coming together to be those ministering people. If your only connection, a church family, is Sunday morning, then to be direct, you're only getting a small percentage of what it is to be a part of the body of Christ. There we go. Okay, I was saying, well, my notes aren't showing up. Okay. It's fellowship. It's discipleship. It's worship. It's doing life together. I mean, we could have one, you know, even with the connect groups that we have, we could have one in Midland, we could have one in Crane, we could have one in McCamey, we could have one in Monaghan, we could have one in Kermit, we could have one all, we could, I mean, that's what's the beauty about having these meetings in our homes, or maybe it is living free or free to grow here at the church, the ladies group, I mean, there's somewhere to plug in. Number three is this, let God handle the complaint department. This is good stuff. Let God handle the complaint department. You know, in verses 9 and 10, we see in, here in, the, in, in this passage, so he's here, and in verse 9 it says that he came to a cave and, and lodged in it. That, that's sometimes the first problem. And, our, and maybe, you know, in, in our lingo, he got on the pity pot. 
he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah begins to open up. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed the prophets and the sword, and I only, I am left, just me, just me alone, nobody else. And I know we feel that way sometimes. But I'm going to tell you what Elijah did as he gave it to God. You see, if you, and, and I, I'm, I'm, it's kind of following, you know, living life together for a reason because we need that. We need each other. We need those relationships. We need those friendships. But I'm going to tell you that there are some things you just need to take to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you that God's shoulders are big enough to take it. If you have a question, if you're confused about something, if, if, if you know, you, you don't understand something, God can handle it. And God can also give you the answer. His ears are tuned in. His shoulders are big enough. His heart cares enough. Your closest family and friends have their limit, but God has no limit. There are just some things we should not vent to the people around us, but just to God. And, one of the, and so listen to me. And the reason is, is that if we are struggling at a moment of offense, then it's easy to spread that offense. When really what that needs to be given to is to God. Do you hear me this morning? There's something else is that it, it, it helps us not to gossip. Listen, gossip comes to play in many ways, but we need to be aware it is gossip when your conversation with people are about pe to, to people who can't do anything about the situation. Let me say that again. It is gossip when your conversation with someone is about someone else to that someone who can do nothing about it. What do I mean by that? If there is issue, you need to go to somebody who can do something about it. Not just to vent. We vent to God. And I'm going to tell you, if we, if we will live life that way, you'll find a strength and an energy that comes into your life because, you are, because then you're not carrying a weight or a burden you are not meant to carry. Does that make sense? Number four is this, is that God, God still small voice. God still small voice. In 1 Kings 19, 11, it says, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains, broke the pieces of the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire was a, the sound of a low whisper. And then Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I know us as, us as uh, there's a lot that could be shared and preached from this passage. And, and us with, as, as Pentecostals, man, we want the shout, right? We want the, we want the manifestations and the work of the Holy Spirit. We desire and hunger and want to see those things, those prophetic words, those messages in tongues, and the miracles, the healing, all that kind of stuff. But listen to me, sometimes what we need is just God's whisper. And here's the importance of that. I, I, I don't know if I have this on the notes or not, but if not, I, I want you to write this down. The way you hear the still, small voice is to get into the still. 
And that is the importance of it. The reason why, the, 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 the way you hear the still small voice is you get into the still. And I don't mean like moonshine still. I mean you get still. You, you get under God's covering. You get in that prayer closet. You get in that place where it's just you and him. The reason why he speaks to us sometimes in that still small voice is because God wants it between you and him. It's going to happen through the voice of Scripture. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you're not in your Bible now, listen to me. If you're not in your Bible now, it's not going to get easier. And I'm not talking, and I I do want to be careful. I already preached a a political sermon, and I want to be careful to what I say. But I've been saying this. For so long, and I know many have, and I know others have, it's not going to get easier. And I, I'm going to be very, I guess, open and direct. And if this offends you, I'm sorry if it does. I'm not saying, uh, I, I, well, here's the deal, is that the last four years, we've had a president in office who has been very kind to the church, Big C Church. And he put into many executive orders that protected us. And I want to tell you, if this transition happens, it won't be the case. It will regress and we'll lose our rights. I'm telling you, it's just, and, and it's not even just a, about a political thing. The Bible says we're in the last days. That's the only direction that it can go. So if you're not grounded in your Bible now, you're not going to wake up when it gets really hard and and all of a sudden have that discipline in your life. Do you hear me? The way you're going to hear the still small voice is through his word. You're going to hear the still small voice through the voice of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite verses, John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For you will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And will declare to you the things that are to come. The wonderful voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And I'm going to tell you, I get asked so many times, how do I hear that voice? How you hear that voice, how you tune into that voice, is that you obey. That is really the key to hear that voice, is that you obey. And so when you feel that still small voice stirring in you, and you're obedient and you follow that direction, you are not only is he going to keep speaking that still small voice to you, you're going to learn how to hear that voice. You learn it through your obedience. Number five is this, is that to get out of that emotional cave is to have a renewal of purpose. A renewal of purpose. It says, in we see in, in 14, of course, he's... He's, he's done that ventilation, right? That, that venting to God, and he's, he's given to him, and he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the Lord of and so he's, he's telling him, I've, you know, I'm the only one that's left. And, um, but then the Lord says to him, the Lord says to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel, the king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Meshi, the, and shall anoint the king over Israel, Elisha, the son of Saphet. And he goes on, and, and he gives him his mission. He gives a mission about anointing kings, about bringing up uh, 
a, a mentoree, somebody to, to a mentor in, in the prophetic gift, Elisha. Elisha. The Lord gave Elisha a new set of assignments. And I, you know, this season, I think, that we've been in since January has been one of the most difficult for me because it's, a, it's become a battle of purpose. A battle of purpose. What's my purpose? Is the purpose that I feel God's given me, is it really, am I acting on it right? Am I doing it right? Are people receiving it right? And, you, and there's this whole battle over purpose. The hardest thing about quarantine is feeling like you're not fulfilling your purpose. I mean, it really is. And so God did not create you just to exist. God, you, if you, we, we sang the song this morning. I mean, we're not dead yet. If you're here, you got a purpose. And I know that, I mean, for some of us, then we got to, you know, I, I don't know what our processing is, but listen, I mean, you may be at a place in life where you can intercede and you can pray. And you know what? We need that. That is needed. Those intercessors to pray and to seek God on the behalf of his church and other people, that's a purpose. It may be, you know, stepping out and doing something in ministry. It, you know, it may be doing something special. But there was a, there's a book called Gaining by Losing. It's by J.D. Greer. And he said this, There is a widespread myth in the church that calling into ministry is a secondary experience that happens only to a few Christians. Their job is to do the ministry, and everyone else's job is to show up and foot the bill. Few lies cripple the mission more than that one. Each believer is called to leverage his or her life to spread of the gospel. The question is no longer whether we are called, but only where and how. We all have purpose. We are, you are called by God. You are in that office for a reason. You are in that grocery store for a reason. You're that nurse for a reason. I know some of you don't, I don't know some of you do, but I saw a picture um, recently. Uh, another one that's been battling COVID is Jimmy Dennis, and, and some of you know who that is. And um, there was a, a, a Facebook post of, he had to go to the hospital, and, uh, and so uh, Billy was picking him up, and she took a picture of, of Jimmy praying with the nurse while he's in the wheelchair. And, you know, and of course, if you know Jimmy, that's Jimmy Dennis, right? I mean, that, I mean that's, that's Angela. It's, it's not, you know, it's not no matter who's around you, there's somebody that's a target. That's a great example for all of us because that's the reason why we're here. I want to tell you something I hear all the time. I, 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 have, I have dealt, I mean, I'm thinking when I, when I was kind of going through this, I have, I, I think there's areas and places I've struggled more than I've ever struggled. But listen, number six is this, is receive the reassurance. You know, so sometimes God is trying to speak to you, and, and we're not hearing it. I mean, because he's trying to lift you out of the pit. He's trying to lift you up. He's trying to build you up. But you're not receiving it. We're not receiving it or, or someone else is. I mean, when we see in, in verse 18, um, I mean, that's exactly what was happening with Elijah. But listen, th things are never as bad as they appear where God is concerned. Elijah had twice insisted that he was the only 
survivor of, you know, uh, worshiping God. And the Lord told him that, no, there are 7,000 others. The hardest, as I think this is the hardest aspect for me. That's why after church, uh, what do I do? I mean, we get in the car, that's the first, that's the first question I ask Angela, what do you think? Why? Because you're looking for that reassurance, and sometimes that reassurance is hard to give. When people give me reassurance, I have a hard time receiving it. I, you know, sometimes I, I have some of you that are so gracious that you come to me and say, you know, great job, Pastor, but there's, there's some that they say, now, I don't want to give you a big head, but you preached really good this morning. And I think to myself, you know what, if you only knew what my Monday through Saturday was like, you would know I have no reason to worry about a big head because my battle was big enough. I mean, don't, don't preface those encouragements. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, let's be open and freely about it. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. But listen, I mean, that's a powerful uh, point right there. But after the comma, only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who, who hear it. And let me remind you right there, that word grace right there, something else that it means is that to give them the ability to give them strength to accomplish that mission that God has given for them. So think about it that way. When you are exhorting somebody, you are giving them strength to fulfill God's mission on their life. Number seven is this. This is the last thing. Is that God gives us somebody. God gives us somebody. We see that you know, God told him, he said, you know, go anoint, you know, this king and go speak to this guy and go find Elisha. And you can read in verse 19 that, uh, that Elijah, he departed and he found Elisha. And then we see the Elisha entering the story. And Elisha, eventually, he, you know, Elijah says, what do you want? And he said, I want, I want the double portion. And, and so when Elijah was taking up in the, the fiery chariot and his cloak fell and Elisha gets the cloak we see that he receives a double portion. And an interesting thing is that, you know, if you go through the Bible, you see that Elijah performed 61 miracles uh, during his prophetic ministry. And Elisha performed 62. Now, granted, one of them, he was dead, and they brought a guy and he got healed, but that still makes 62, right? He did get the double portion. There is somebody that you can have direct impact on. I think sometimes in our American gospel, in our, in our American churches, we've, we've got it in our mind and our heart that I've got to be behind a pulpit in front of hundreds of people to be making an impact. But I'm going to tell you the, 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 the best way to make an impact is you on somebody else. Statistics still, I mean, people, I'm going to tell you, even during this COVID and, and all that we're facing, people will still come to church if you give a reason to. I want to say that again. People will still come to church if you invite them, if you give them a reason to. They see something in your life and you have that conversation with somebody. Even more than that, wherever you are in your Christian life, you have somebody to pour into. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens 
another. Psalm 145.4, one generation shall commend your works to another. They shall declare your mighty acts. There is somebody, I believe just personally, individually, that we can have direct impact on. And when we do that, it will fill you with energy. It will fill you with a sense of purpose. And you'll know that God is in it. And in all reality, their life will be greatly impacted that way more than just hearing a sermon preached in church. And that's part of the purpose that God has called us. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.